2: And the Oscar goes to And the Oscar goes
3: to the Oscar
1: goes
2: to
0: my only object in being here
2: is to try and get at the
0: truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't
2: give a damn. I
4: could have been a contender. Fasten your... State. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an awful All real. Love Americans. is... is love. Too weak a word. Stay
1: back. I, I, lo- lo- no, I loathe you. I loathe you. I love you. I, lo- lo- I did as a said. Don't me! Like
4: there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it! validate it! Remember what you told me! It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 143 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording, 11.07 a.m. on May 19th, 2019. The series finale of... Game of Thrones, which is something that we will be discussing on another podcast, part of the Next Best Series podcast, but today we are talking about movies, we are talking about what's going on at the Cannes Film Festival, we're talking about Batman, we are talking about the trailer for some sort of evil sorceress, uh, maybe played by Angelina Jolie. Either way, there's a lot to talk about this week here on the show. Here to help me do it, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Nicole Ackman.
3: Hi, friends.
4: Casey Lee Clark. Wow. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Bayer.
0: Good morning, NBP. Oh, Oh my
4: God. I thought my (laughs) intro was filled with energy and enthusiasm. That just took the cake. Holy hell. All right. I'll, t- I'll sit this one out, Dan. You want to lead the show?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I never thought you'd ask.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. You know, I have actually been <laughs> contemplating to myself, like, what is what does an MVP show look like without me? But then I'm worried if I skip one, then <laughs> it'll be like, you know, I'm thinking about taking, like, an extended four-month vacation backpacking through Europe. You guys got okay. this, right? You that know? almost happened once, Matt.
5: You almost had me take over an episode, and then you were like, Nah, I'll just change the time. And that's when you did your solo episode.
4: I remember. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as per usual here on the show, we are starting off by asking everybody, what did they see this week? Got a couple people here on the pod. Let's try to keep it short. Uh, Michael, let's start off with you. What did you see this week, either at home or in theaters? I'll
5: keep it really short. I didn't see anything, not even a TV show this week.
4: God, it sounds like you have a full-time oh, wait, wait, job I'm now sorry, all of a wait, sudden. Wait, wait,
5: wait. My, my mind is blanking on me. I did watch one TV show. I watched Fossey Verdon on Tuesday night. Cause that's <laughs> I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I was going to
0: say. That was Michael it. That was lying. it. See,
5: the end of my week has been such a blur. I've been very, very busy with just stuff at work and family stuff. It's that time of the year. But I did have one hour to watch Fossey Verdon. So I'll recommend that for anyone who hasn't started it yet.
4: All right. Who else watched Fossey Verdon this week? I did. All right, Casey, you're up next. What else did you watch this week?
0: Um, in theme with that, I because I've been so obsessed with Fosse Verdon, I bought the Criterion Blu-ray of All That Jazz, which I hadn't seen, and I watched that the other night. Great and, choice. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I feel like knowing all the historical context of Fosse's life now with the miniseries, I'm just like, I, I think it enhanced the experience. And, yeah, it was great. I mostly just watched stuff at home this week, but I watched a lot of stuff, which is great. Um, yeah. But that was probably the big
4: one. Yeah, my criterion uh, for a different kind of movie came in the mail this week, uh, Michael Haneke's uh, Funny Games, which I have to say, I, I didn't know this going in, but I, I didn't realize that it's just the original version. I was kind of hoping it would be a double version with the American remake also included. But hey, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. And there is another uh, Tim Roth, Naomi Watts film out there called Loose, which is opening up soon that everyone else can check out instead. So
5: What a delightful film Funny Games is. That's really just hard <laughs> for
4: <laughs> oh my god rom. the best <laughs> feel good movie of its time <laughs> uh, Oh,
2: Michael Haneke,
4: dan bear um so i haven't had
2: time to watch much but yesterday i did make time to see the hustle with anne hathaway and rebel wilson
4: oh okay and
2: <laughs> i you know if it weren't for the fact that they completely botched the ending it would be really good. Um, I thought it was really enjoyable. I chuckled a lot through the whole thing. Um, Roe Wilson and Ann Hathaway have really great um, sort of frenemy chemistry together. But, oh, Lord, they really screw up the ending. Like, it's completely wrong.
5: Mm-hmm. I've heard it's literally just Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with A female cast. Like, they don't change anything from the original.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they kind of do, you know, just to update it. But, like, and that's the thing. Like, you can't tell that story with women in 2019. You
4: just can't. Interesting. Okay. All righty. Who are we up to? Nicole.
3: Yeah. I only made it to one movie this week. Uh, which was going to see all is true at the uh, beloved Paris theater in New York um,
2: I see that yesterday too but I couldn't make it work
3: yeah I so I will say that I it's an interesting one because it came out in the UK earlier this year and got pretty decent reviews over here but got pretty bad ones um, or sorry got pretty good ones over there got pretty bad ones here and I see why it is a very niche film uh, it's Kenneth Brada playing Shakespeare in like the last years of his life, um, which is pretty much a film made specifically for me to watch. Um, <laughs> Brada is my favorite director probably. And he's really good in it. It's a really interesting film deals with some really interesting ideas about fame and legacy and, uh, what it means to return to your hometown after becoming like a, a celebrity essentially. Um, but it is a bit slow moving, but like Braun is great, Judy Dench is great, Ian McKellen is great. Um, I It's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year.
4: Okay. And how about you, Josh
1: Parm? Uh, well, I did manage to catch up on a couple things. Um, one movie that I did end up seeing finally was Tolkien. Well, oh, I
3: saw Twinkie too. Wait, I totally forgot.
4: Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Before we get to that, I just want to just go around the horn and uh, ask the both of you then collectively.
1: Yeah.
4: Is Nicholas Hull a leading man in your eyes?
1: I mean, they tried to make him a leading man, but time and time again, <laughs> I just feel like he is just so bland. And And I will admit that maybe not all of that is his fault because the script of this movie is not good at all it's very boilerplate um, biopic and it's not very interesting and I think that's just the biggest problem with the film is it's so boring there's not a lot that happens in it it's very stale and I wasn't a fan of it unfortunately and I love Nicholas Holt but not not in this mode
4: and the reason why I asked the question is because it's been a topic of debate with Nicholas Holt lately where Every time he takes on a supporting role in something, he's fantastic. X-Men, The Favorite, Mad Max, Fury Road. But then whenever he takes on these leading roles, I would say with the exception maybe of Warm Bodies, it it just never, it doesn't ever seem to land. And I agree with you, uh, Josh, that he is, I don't even know so much if he's trying. It's just that the material and the way that this biopic is structured is not, it's just not as original or inspiring ...as its subject is, you know, for humanity, ultimately, and everything that he gave us through his works.
3: Okay, to play devil's advocate, I actually... Oh, well,
4: I knew really,
3: it. Yeah, I really enjoyed Tolkien, and to be fair, I will, like, say I'm not very familiar with his work, not very familiar with the actual man that it's about, so I think that that definitely, like, colors your experience of the film. Um, but I liked it. I, I don't think it's anything, like, splendid or innovative or anything, but I thought it was good as a kind of standard biopic film. Um, it has some some nice effects in it. It has some nice performances. I thought that the other three young men in it, who are the the main guys of the supporting cast, were all quite good. Um, I thought it has... Like, I think that the supporting cast, yes, is probably stronger than Nicholas Holt is, but I don't know that that's his fault, per se. As you said, like, I think that that's partially how it's written. Um but I think he he's not a bad leading man in my eyes. He's just not one that you come out of a film ever like raving about.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah, I, I can
4: I can see that. He's not it's, almo- a- it's almost like he's cursed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Hollywood's just desperately trying to make Nicholas yeah. Holt happen and it's like fetch. It's just not going to happen.
3: He does look so nice in that World War One uniform though. <laughs>
4: I mean, those were my favorite sequences, actually, were the horrors of war sequences uh, because at least something yeah. dynamic and interesting was going on. But I'm with I'm with Josh on this. This movie was just I, I, I've seen this movie like I've seen this movie before. I saw it last year with Goodbye Christopher Robin, for goodness sake, <laughs> which I thought was better than this. I, yeah. I
3: think If you're someone who likes this kind of standard biopic, though, like it's a good one. Like it's not anything new. But I think it's a fairly standard offering in the genre.
4: See, the word standard just does not jive with me, (laughs) which 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 actually is a good lead into what I did see this week, which was a biopic that was not standard. Uh, But before I get to that, I do want to just mention that I I did see John Wick, uh, Chapter 3, Power You and everyone else, apparently. It's crushing it at the box office. Yeah, I don't know what the MVP team was doing this week. Apparently not going to see movies uh, because, you know, uh, this movie was freaking awesome. And uh, if you have not seen a single one of the John Wick uh, film series, I would say three films in a row with uh, better critical reception than the last better box office might be something worth checking out. Just saying. When did these films start to grow?
5: Like I knew they had sort of like a cult following. I thought it was just like a bunch of people from Twitter, but you don't get to fifty five yeah. million dollars just from Twitter people.
4: I'm telling you, each film they keep on upping the ante. And I definitely think that the film like the Mission Impossible films, um, they they satisfy that 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 um craving that action junkies have for uh, practical effects and uh, stuntman work. And in many ways, this is like America's answer to the Raid films, I feel like, if you've mm-hmm. ever seen or if you're familiar with those.
5: You'll probably get a chapter four, it looks
4: like. Let me put it to you this way. Where the Taken films got worse as they've went along, mm-hmm. the John Wick films have gotten better as they've gone along. Let's put it that way.
2: That's really impressive.
4: Uh, I also saw a film called Wild Rose, which uh, stars Jesse Buckley as a uh, talented country uh, singer who is, has aspirations to make it big, but she's balancing uh, a life with her uh, two kids. She had just gets out of jail when the film starts, um, and it's really just about this uh, woman who is really torn between having to make that sacrifice to pursue her dreams and her passion when it seems like that opportunity to pursue uh, her talents uh, might have already passed her by. And she's coming to grips with that. If you did not see Jesse Buckley in an indie film last year called Beast, this is a really, really wonderful uh, chance to start because I think that she is phenomenal. And I definitely think she's going places.
1: That's good to hear, because I loved Beast, so I was very interested to see her follow-up. Uh, I also do have another question for you, Matt. Yeah. How is Julie Walters in it?
4: Oh, yeah. No, she's fantastic, as always. She actually has a lot of really meaty scenes, I found. And, uh, yeah, her her scenes with Jesse Buckley are great. All right. It's great to hear, because I, uh, I love her, too.
3: Who doesn't?
4: Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and that movie looks good. Yeah. Uh and then as I was saying before, uh biopic film that was anything but standard. Uh and this is going to lead into our can discussion, which uh officially kicked off over the last week. I saw Rocket Man yesterday. Woohoo. And I have to say, for anyone out there that thought that Bohemian Rhapsody was a safe, standard uh musical biopic, this film is a actually a legit musical. Uh there are scenes with uh, the entire chorus uh, doing all of the dancing in the background and T- uh, Taron Egerton is walking not on a stage and not performing like in bow rap, but actually like going through the sets and playing with the props and interacting with the other dancers and then he starts joining in with them and they start doing all this great choreography and it- it's like an actual musical and I I love that because It gave the film, kind of like in a La La Land sort of way, the ability to uh, really have these like escapist, fantastical uh, moments that never pull you out of the movie, but it's like very benefiting to the larger than life personality that Elton John actually is and really complemented everything that that man stood for and what he was about. It It was colorful, it was bold, it was imaginative, it was flashy. The part where the film does kind of lose me a little bit is in terms of how it's structured and written. Um, once again, it kind of comes off as like that standard biopic where it's like, all right, we've got to check the boxes on. He gets into drugs. And, you know, it's like, I feel like I've seen this story a lot. But then again, this is his story, you know, so it's not like they're going to change the uh, the facts to uh, benefit a, uh, a certain audience out there. And this film doesn't pull back in regard in that regard. Um you know, it's a hard uh, R movie uh, with, you know, drugs, uh, sex, cursing. It's definitely, I wouldn't say, a family-friendly film. But in that regard, it felt very raw. It felt very honest. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. Cool. I'm so hey. glad to hear
2: that I it's can't good. Wait. Like, the trailers have been great. And I've been really pulling for this movie. So he's hearing all these reviews come out and just be really in love with it. That makes me feel so happy.
4: I actually feel a little bad for Taryn Egerton, to tell you the truth, though, because he is quite good in this. And the fact that the film has a May release and uh, Rami Malek just won the Oscar last year for uh, a film that's very similar to this in many ways, I do fear that Taryn Egerton is that name that will probably, I don't want to say be forgotten about, but... He might get overshadowed, and he doesn't deserve to be. Um, his work is... He'll get a
5: Globe nomination?
4: Oh, my God, yeah. It, 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 let me tell you, like I said, this is definitely a straight-up musical. So I don't, that whole, like, drama musical thing with um, Bohemian Rhapsody and Star was Born last year, like, I get it. I understand why they did it the way they did it. There's no excuse why this will not be submitted for a comedy musical at the uh, mm-hmm. Golden Globes. So, yes, I definitely think he'll get it.
5: Maybe even yeah. that's it, if it's big enough.
4: Yeah, uh, that's definitely possible, uh, for sure. But I mean, the guy's got a voice of an angel. Anyone that's seen the um, oh god, what was that movie with the the animals?
1: Was it sing? sing.
4: Yeah, yeah sing. Uh, anyone that's ever seen Sing uh, knows this about Taron. And I mean, God, he looks so much like Elton in certain scenes with the outfits, the glasses, and the makeup, the hair. I mean, it was uncanny. He may not sound like him per se, but when you talk about somebody that just embodies the spirit of this man, uh, it was totally there. And it also helps, too, that Elton has given the film uh, his own approval. Unlike something like Tolkien. <laughs> True, yeah. Well, he was involved for like every
2: stage of the making of it. It's...
4: And just because he was involved with it, like how Queen was involved with Bohemian Rhapsody, they don't go out of their way to try and make him look like a saint in this film. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it all the more compelling is that he is a flawed human being who, in his pursuit of fame, had to give up the one thing that we all crave and desire most in this world, and that is love. And I think that that conflict was very, very interestingly uh, played out here.
1: Cannot wait to see it.
4: Yeah, me too. So that's going to then lead into now our discussion about the Cannes Film Festival. Obviously, uh, reactions to Rocket Man echo, I think, a lot of what I've said here. Uh, You know, there are some who are kind of, I don't want to say writing it off because of its uh, biopic uh, trappings. But, uh, you know, the reaction definitely seems to be pretty overwhelmingly positive so far. Um, and then besides that, uh, a couple of other titles have premiered at Cannes so far. Uh, not all of them. We're still waiting to hear on what the word is on Quentin Tarantino's latest film. And I think actually maybe during this recording, the Terence Malik film uh, actually will be dropping.
5: Yeah, I believe that's today. Then the yeah. Yeah. Have a movie.
4: Mm hmm. So has has anyone seen anything in there uh, looking at the coverage of Cannes? Has anyone seen anything that, uh, you know, st- stood out to them uh, for, you know, as as interesting?
0: I mean, well, I woke I up to all the Lighthouse of... reviews. Yeah. Yes. The Lighthouse yeah. stuff awesome.
5: I have a suspicion of what I think wins the Palm.
4: Ooh. Well, uh, Lighthouse is not in competition now. No, no, I didn't say that.
5: I said I have a su-
4: suspicion of what I
5: think will win the Palm.
4: Oh, what do you think is going to win the Palm?
5: I think this is the year that uh, Pedro Almodovar walks away with it.
4: You know, I saw a lot of reactions to that. They say that it's his masterpiece. And, uh, you know, I know uh, Alejandro Gonzalez and
5: Iritu is good buddies with Del Toro and Coron, but I don't know uh, what his relationship with uh, uh, Almodovar is. I know Mexico and Spain are not the same country, but I think the two of them have been pretty close over the years.
4: (laughs) Did everyone see Alejandro's comments?
5: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) They they were definitely comments made by the man who wrote Birdman.
2: He's such a lord.
1: Yeah. God, those comments definitely fit that personality.
4: I just kind of, I, I, I just, <laughs> I, I laughed when I read it. And I was like, <laughs> to your point, Josh, it's like a typical Alejandro González Iñárritu saying, typical Alejandro González Iñárritu things. <laughs>
5: yeah. Well, to go back to Pain and Glory for a second, the Amadova movie, Palm or not, I think this is going to be a contender that we hear about the rest of the year, especially for foreign language film.
4: Wait, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait! What's it called now, Michael? Oh, I'm sorry. International feature.
5: That's right. Yeah, we changed it. I'm living in the past here. <laughs> Pain yeah. and Glory, it sounds like it could certainly uh, be a submission from Spain for uh, that category. People really love it. Almodovar
2: has a has- relationship with Almodovar, though, and submitting for the Oscar. Like, There's a lot of times when you think it would be obvious to submit his movie, and then they don't.
5: Yeah, but when was the last time he really had a strong enough movie to get in there? And we're going back to, what, Broken Embraces? Oh my god, Talk to Her, Broken Embraces. Um, right, Broken Embraces is probably the most recent one. A of I really like too. And that one seems sort of muted, though. This one is getting like full on raves. And even for Antonio Banderas, who, if this yeah. movie stays in the spotlight long enough, I could certainly see Sony Pictures Classics mounting a Best Actor campaign for him. Oh, I have. I hope they do.
0: <laughs>
5: I've heard this compared to Fellini and just some really great uh, directors who came before him. So I would love to see Amadova back at the Oscars. They obviously like him when he's at the top of his game.
2: I mean, I think his screenplay nomination is they definitely love him in that category. So whether
1: I'm yeah, a
5: former a winner, winner, he got the director yeah. nomination in uh, 2002. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested in seeing where they go with this one because it has an October release. Sony Pictures Classics, everyone's saying, oh, it's his masterpiece. It's such a personal film. It's his best thing in 10 years. So let's do it on the get back to the Oscars.
4: Not to mention, um, you know, a film that actually wasn't as widely well received as Pain and Glory was uh, the opening night film, The Dead Don't Die, the new Jim Jarmusch film, uh, received a mixed reception. I feel like that's
2: true for nearly all con opening night films though. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jim Jarmusch, though, has provided uh, some decent films, though, in the past. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that everyone's opinion on him will vary depending on who you are. Uh, but films like uh, Dead Man or even Patterson uh, was very good, I have to say. And so, I don't know. It, it kind of goes back and forth a lot. But this was something that it didn't seem to quite necessarily land uh, for most people that were there at the fest. So, like you said, Dan, uh, opening festival curse. Mm-hmm.
5: Oh, I think uh, I think Ken Loach is a terrible human being. I like truly despise him, but his movie got great reviews. And Jesus Paul, Christ, you know, Michael. <laughs> uh, uh, genuinely hit that man. But if we're talking about movies and the news that come out of the festival, it should be said that his movie was well received for what it's worth. And he did win the palm with his last film. So it is my hope that he gets no accolades, but I can't ignore the fact that he may be getting some more accolades.
4: Yeah, what was the name of that film again? Current From film? this year? Yeah, uh, yeah, what's it called? Sorry We Missed sorry You? We
1: missed you. Yeah, yeah, Sorry
4: We Missed You. Yeah. I don't miss Ken Loach though. Wow, don't hold back, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has anyone heard anything about Parasite? That's Bong Joon-ho's uh, latest I think film out of later in the week.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's, people have seen it yet. Yeah.
4: yeah. Okay.
2: The other one that seems to be really killing it is um, Les Miserables. Not yeah. mm-hmm. the adaptation of the novel nor the musical.
5: <laughs> I think that's yeah. another
2: contender for the Palm.
5: If it's not Pain and Glory, I've really heard people yeah. going uh, over the top for that one. Yeah,
2: it may have tough getting the Palm because it's lies debut film, and they rarely give Palm to first features. But it people really love it.
0: It could win something, just not maybe the Palm.
2: Yeah, maybe like screenplay. Yeah, or the P- Grand Prix. Yeah. You also have later
5: in the week Frankie premiering the new Iris Sachs film.
2: Yes!
5: <laughs> he's a really great director, uh, very well known in the New York film scene. Uh, and his last film from 2016, Little Men, had a terrific performance uh, from the actor whose name I am blanking on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan, what was his name? You saw
2: the movie, right? Um, what movie? Little Men. <laughs> oh, The, um, the Kids? Yeah, the, the the kids, the kids from that movie were really uh, stellar.
4: Michael, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but that was a movie that only you saw.
2: <laughs> no, I <a dance laughs> No, I saw it. I saw it. I I saw kids. it too. So, the- I'm playing.
4: I'm
2: I'm
5: busting
4: Michael's balls. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Michael Barber, or not Barbarelli, really. Barb B A R B I E R I, Barberi, It looks like he he was terrific.
1: Oh, Barbieri.
5: So uh, I'm always interested to see the
1: latest Iris X film. Yeah, he's a great storyteller. I yeah. I really enjoy his movies.
4: Isn't it true? Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be... I think I misheard this. I don't know. Is it true that Gaspar Noe has another film already playing again? I hope not.
1: <laughs> I, I, I heard, not heard that. that. Too much.
4: <laughs> Wait, no. Really? I think so. That would make me so happy. Me too. I loved Climax. <laughs> climax is so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh my god, it's real. <laughs> yeah, Lux Eterna. Lux Eterna, yeah, all right, let's go. While <laughs> <Hey, Michael laughs> we're on the subject of pretentious
5: uh, international filmmakers, Luca Guadagnino was back at Cannes this year. He did what was basically a commercial, it sounded like, or a short film. Uh, yeah, 35 minutes with... Uh, Mia Goth and Kyle McLaughlin with in it, Julianne Moore pops up for a little bit. And apparently it was just terrible from what I understand. I
4: think my goal, I think my goal is going to be to try maybe next week, uh, I'm going to try and see if I can get somebody that was at Cannes uh, to come on the show next week to give us more of a first hand account. Of somebody's because because it's really really tough uh, to follow the festival yeah. um, when you yeah. have so many people covering it and it's 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 very difficult because sometimes everybody gathers together to praise a film like *Painting Glory* or *The Lighthouse*, but then you know there's these other films that you know we don't necessarily know so much about and somebody may do a tweet and it just may not gain any traction but yet it could be for all we know. Surprising hidden gem at the festival that goes on to become uh, the major foreign language film contender. You know what I mean?
5: Like when the Coens were uh, head of the jury back in 2015, I think. Remember, they were all saying, oh, it could be Carol that went to Palm D'Or. Everyone loves Carol. And then it was that really small movie uh, back in 2015, which I'm blanking. Yes, that, that was a Deepon. Yes, that, that was the movie that sort of stole the thunder away from Carol. And then, of course, you had Mad Max out of competition, creating a lot of noise. But then Deepon just sort of went under the surface.
4: I mean, like, I, I'm just reading something from, like, Alex Billington right now. He's saying that there's a film called The Whistlers, uh, which he's describing as uh, a heist comedy uh, that is Romanian Hitchcock, essentially. Ooh. And he's giving that, like, pretty overwhelming praise right now. Wow. And there is was
2: also um, Nicholas Winding Refn's TV series. Oh, but it's not a TV show. Yeah, now. I'm going gonna... to...
0: Yeah, he's like, what is an 8 film? You know? Yeah, He goes, oh, he goes I made a 14-hour oh, film. Man.
2: No, no. I'm sorry. If you're dividing it up into episodes and you shot it to be sh- aired episodically, it's not a film. Sorry. It's not
5: like you did what the Coens did with Buster Scruggs, where they said, Oh, it's an anthology, and all the media went. Oh, it's a TV show, and they're like, "No, it's not." <laughs> <So>
1: like
5: <laughs> yeah, one reference goes, "I'm making a TV show." Then he said, "No, it's a movie, actually."
4: Whatever film that I am uh, coming across a couple of times uh, through two or three tweets, I've seen about Vivarium. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. With uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen, Im- I can never say oh. her name right. Oh yeah, Imogen Poots. Imogen. Imogen, is that how you say it? I yeah. think. Imogen. Imogen puts. Poots. I <laughs> Whatever. P- Puss in Boots. <laughs> <laughs> Puss in Boots. Uh, it's a, so that's another one that I'm seeing a couple of different people uh, raving about. Um, but like I said, it, it's a really, really tough festival to track because not everybody sees everything unless if it is like one of the big contenders. Like everybody's going to go see the Kendall Loach film. Everybody's going to go see the Terrence Malick film. Everyone, like literally everyone and their mother saw The Lighthouse, which I have to say has already – That was one of my most anticipated films of the year. And now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this definitely smells like a a Matt Neglia top 10 film based on what I'm seeing.
0: Like a lot of reviews are like, it's terrifying and also hilarious, which has me very intrigued.
4: Yeah. 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 Black and white photography as well. And from what I've been seeing, uh, the performances from Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, they're saying are absolutely extraordinary. So The Witch was... The Witch was no fluke, and it looks like Robert Eggers has even topped it, potentially. So that's very, very exciting for those of us that were fans of The Witch. Robert Pattinson, he was in the news this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, let's get some reactions on this. Robert Pattinson has been tapped to play Batman in Matt Reeves' uh, upcoming film about the Cape Crusader. Uh, what do we think about this bit of casting?
2: I am so bored. <laughs> I think it is terrific
5: casting. I, I really do. And I am not the audience for this. But he I think it's just spot on to have this guy in his career trajectory at trajectory go from, you know, Twilight Fame to do indies and then sort of take all that he's learned in Indies and put it back in the blockbuster spotlight.
0: Yeah, I'm down.
4: <laughs> I'm 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 down with it because I love where robert pattinson's career has gone um all of the online petitions i've seen to not have him play batman are completely ridiculous and obviously they have not seen his uh independent work
0: they do that with anybody they would say would gonna be cast yeah exactly. let's be real yeah. that's, like, that's,
2: why that's why i'm so bored of this like first of all we just don't need another batman movie again I think this one's going to be different enough that it's not a continuation of what we've seen lately. But like, why? And then like, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson is fine. Like anyone would be a fine choice. So I don't. I'm just bored by the predictable. No, this person's wrong for this part fanboy bullshit. I'm
4: just so you uh-huh. so you're just you're you're just upset about the discourse and you just want it to go away basically. I, I get I, it.
2: I I don't think we need it. Like there are so many other movies that would Kill for half the press that this is getting from just one single casting announcement and that need it, frankly. You know, here's the
4: way I see it I think Robert Pattinson is doing so many interesting things right now with his career. That if taking on this role means that he can get those other projects funded because of the name that he is, that's that's good business as far as I'm concerned
2: for him, maybe not for us.
4: No, it is for us because then he can continue to work with like a David Cronenberg or whoever it might be. And then we get that small indie film that may not get the green light or the funding because it doesn't have that big of a name attached to it. You know it's what I mean? It's all going to do that
2: anyway, though.
4: Like It's a one for you, one for me sort of thing. You know, that's how I'm looking at it, at least. But For the
5: movie itself, like this movie, The Batman, it seems like with the DC universe now, uh, it almost looks to me as if they're taking the word universe out of it and just making these more standalone titles based on the character.
1: Good. Yeah, what so they it should have been like in the first place.
5: Justice League. You see this Joker trailer come out a couple weeks ago, and I thought it looked stellar. It looks I like, think Joker looks
4: fantastic.
5: You see this different hmm. tone. It's executive produced by Martin Scorsese. You know, almost has a King of Comedy vibe to it from what we saw in that trailer. So there's something really interesting going on there. And then to hear that Matt Reeves is coming to do something with Batman, a fascinating character that really was not treated well over the last five or so years.
4: Well, because they were stuck in trying to copy Marvel. And if what DCEU is doing now is saying, you know what, we don't want to copy Marvel. We want to do our own thing. I think that that, once again, I think that's good business.
5: I think it's going to work well for them to sort of take this turn.
4: Yeah. Uh, and then also, too, don't forget, Robert Pattinson is also going to be in the next Christopher Nolan movie as well. So it's like, guys having a good time. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> the thing that cracks me up is that everyone's like, oh, the guy from Twilight. And I'm like, y'all, no one hates oh, Twilight God. more than Robert Pattinson. As far as I, as far
4: as I'm concerned, he's the guy from Good Time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if that he's is your reference,
3: thank you. <laughs> if,
1: <laughs> but like, if you are making complaints about Robert Pattinson and your reference point is Twilight, it's like where have you been for the last couple years? Like that is Robert Pattinson obviously has had a career that has evolved much beyond that point. And, you know, I didn't really expect to get him cast as Batman, but I'm very intrigued about what he could do. Uh, and as we've said, that character has gotten really beaten up over the years. And I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. fatigue and not a lot of interest in him because of what they've done with him in the films. And I think this is going to be a good opportunity to get excitement back into it. So I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing it.
4: Uh, a film that I don't know if I have interest in seeing. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. We need to talk about the trailer for it first. We got the trailer this week for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, starring Angelina Jolie reprising her role as the evil Disney villain character Maleficent. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one and see what we all think. I remember this story. ...of an evil witch.
3: When I look out my window. And the princess
4: she cursed to sleep forever. Many to see. The story became legend. When I look but this is no fairy tale.
1: So different... There are many who prey on the innocent. I'm sure your kind would agree. If I didn't know better, I'd
5: say
0: you were making a threat.
1: Well, do you? Do I what? Know better.
0: What have you done? Let's see the sea!
4: oh my <laughs> I'll give it this I'll, I will give it this visually visually it looks interesting and I do like seeing Angelina Jolie in camp mode Even though it, I don't, even though I know that she's straddling a fine line between playing it serious and camp but I guess the main question here is what does everyone think of the first film I mean, because I think that that's going to definitely affect how it's you feel about another worst film coming
2: Disney out. Hold live action movies. I can tell you how well, we I like feel
3: it. as a group collectively because I have oh, stats right. on this. So I have a blog post coming, uh, r- ranking all of our opinions on the Disney live actions, and Maleficent comes in right in the middle. We have some people who love it and some people who hate it, as you've already heard.
4: Let's also be very clear, though, that the uh, group of films for that list are not. I would say overall yeah. of the highest of quality. Not
3: so great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, but thing, I like, think like I we've got some people who have it near their top of their ranking and who expressed to me that they really enjoyed it. And then we have some people who clearly very much dislike it, but not more than some of the other Disney Live actions. Yeah.
2: I the thing that the only thing that puts this, you know, above the truly awful Disney live action films that have come out recently is Angelina Jolie. Yeah. I, mean, I She's be- really pretty much the only good thing about it. I found this movie when I saw it back when it came out to be incredibly annoying. <laughs> 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 I just like everything with the three fairies and they are some of my favorite actresses. I just was, I wanted to like put the movie on mute whenever they showed up because I thought it was, so terrible and i thought the movie was just overwrought and overdone and only survived when angelina jolie was going into camp mode which was not nearly as often as
4: exactly
1: yeah that was actually my big problem with the first maleficent is that i wanted to see angelina jolie be a deviously over-the-top campy villain but i felt like we only got a couple scenes of that and then immediately they tried to humanize that character and make her somebody that you wanted to root for which to me was just not as interesting and ultimately I just found the first Maleficent to be very kind of flat and boring and and that does not really make me excited to see a sequel to it and you know it does look visually kind of nice but I am very skeptical that they're going to do a story this time that is going to keep me interested
3: I really like the first Maleficent film. I think it's one of the more interesting Disney live actions and that it actually is a proper deviation from the original story. Um, I think Angel- Angelina Jolie is really good in it. I really like some of the themes, I guess, that it explores. And I thought that like it looks really cool as a film. It does look really good. And I'll give I, it that. I can't wait for the sequel because, like... Michelle Pfeiffer and Angelina Jolie facing off is kind of like something that feels like it came out of my dream um like I mean
2: battle of the cheekbones I'm here for (laughs) like Like,
3: give me this thank you
2: (laughs) but like really I don't know the the plot of I know it's just a teaser so it's purposely light on plot but I'm so confused by this. Yeah. Trailer.
4: let let's let's, let's take a, Let's take a look at some of the positive aspects. Okay. Chateau Copley is not in this. Uh, we get <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer instead. God. So that alone right there is an upgrade. As far as I'm concerned, you have Elle Fanning who, in my opinion, makes every project that she's involved in better mm-hmm. by just her presence alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think she's one of the most extraordinarily gifted young actresses that we have going today. Um, who do have? Who who do we have in this that could add to the camp level? Uh, you have Ed Screen, who is just I I I'm, I'm still waiting for him to impress me in something. It it hasn't really happened yet, but oh, that's Chiwetel Ejiofor is in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, Le- Leslie Manville. Oh, she and,
5: was in
2: the last one. But isn't was well, she was one of the fairies? Like
1: yeah. and that was uh, insane, but that the
5: thing. The thing about was I liked Angelina Jolie quite a bit in it. I would actually rank it in her top five performances.
4: I wait what? I'm sorry. I I'm love. sorry. Wait. What?
5: What? What? <laughs> yeah, I would certainly call it one of her five best performances Maleficent.
4: Okay, you need to tell oh, me offline wow. what your top five Angelina J- uh, Jolie performances are, because I need to. I need to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can do that on another episode. I exactly.
5: <laughs> I mean, I thought she was exceptional. I liked how the film had this turn from what we knew the character to be. It gave her a beating heart, and that's what made me care about the story overall. But what I didn't like, and I've heard a lot of people praising on this episode, I thought the visuals were
4: awful. See, I, li- I like the art direction and this, the costume design. and uh...
5: I like the costume design. That was a deserved Oscar nomination. But I think the art direction was overdone. And we have to remember, it was directed by Robert Stromberg, an Oscar-winning uh, set designer. So I think he just sort of had a field day and was just too much.
4: Well, this one's going to be directed by uh, Joachim Roening, who uh, did Contiki, uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales.
5: And I know it's just a teaser, but I still got that vibe that it still looked a little overdone, overwrought. But I am looking forward to seeing it just for, again, Angela and Jolie coming back in this character, and of course, Michelle Pfeiffer. I'll see pretty much anything
2: with her. Michael, I'm so confused that you thought the art direction in Maleficent was overdone and overwrought, but you love the production design and Beauty and the Beast. I'm I
4: think that
2: those two things do not go together. Uh, okay. That all right. All right.
4: <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Because I, 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 I could feel the can of worms being opened just now. <laughs>
2: I will always open that can
4: of. Worms. I am going into this with a, uh, with an, oh, an, I'm going into this with an open mind as I usually try to do. Uh, I I do think that the visuals are beautiful. Uh, Angelina Jolie is an actress that I want to see more of, so I'm happy to see her again on screen. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm I'm choosing to focus on the positives here, okay? Even though I think Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dead Men Tale, No Tales was a piece of shit.
5: (laughs) And we could do without the season of The Witch in the trailer.
4: Eh. Oh yeah, yeah It's a little overdone on the nose. Yeah, that, that was not
5: very good Hi everyone, this is Tim Costa
4: I'm Hermano da Silva And this is Walter Vinci
5: And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast
2: Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen Watch it together And then discuss These movies could be new Or old Or on our list of shame You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast As well as on Stitcher
5: And we love interacting with our listeners So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet
1: an email. Or post to our Facebook page.
5: We'd love to hear from you.
1: That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us it. going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh no, no, looks, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this my new
5: Shut up, shut
4: up, shut up. Shut up shut, and I wonder shut who the can God watch.
2: damn it, I shut think up! I think that's enough oh, oh, all
4: Let's head on over to the the polls. Let's do that. Let's uh, focus our attention on another live-action Disney film that is releasing this week. That is Aladdin, Guy Ritchie's new film. Uh, But before we uh, talk about Aladdin, let's go back to last week and let's discuss what the fans voted on for their favorite Keanu Reeves action film. Choices were 47 Ronin, Chain Reaction, Constantine, Johnny Manomik. Min, min, mnemonic, mnemonic. I, I can't. I don't know. Johnny it reads weird. John Wick, John Wick Chapter Two, John Wick Chapter Three. Parabellum, Man of Tai Chi, The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions, Point Break, and Speed.
5: I'm having trouble choosing between Parenthood and Something's Got to Give.
4: Those are not action films, Michael. Michael. <sighs> Those are not action films. There's some domestic action going in there. (laughs) Michael, those are not action films. There is a genre, it's called the action genre acknowledge its existence
1: just like the jungle yeah. books a horror movie right fuck off oh my god <laughs> there's some great stunt work from diane keaton and something's gotta give <laughs> that's right,
4: right. uh, true that is very true uh, jack nicholson does throw himself up against a uh fa- a framed uh painting on the wall at one point i remember <laughs> shielding his eyes from the image that was diane keaton there anyway
5: francis Victorman holds a knife isn't that enough
4: <laughs> no it's clearly not shut up no. anyway <laughs> Uh, leading the uh, poll with 35 votes, everyone overwhelmingly loves the first Matrix film starring Keanu Reeves as Neo. Ooh. In second place, with 21 votes, is the first John Wick film. In third place, we have a tie, 17 votes each for Speed and Point Break. Awesome. Yeah. Then in fourth place, uh, with 14 votes, we have John Wick Chapter 2. And then in fifth place, with seven votes, you want to talk about campy and over-the-top, Constantine. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Love it. Oh, God, Constantine. <laughs>
1: Which, actually, Constantine is not as bad as its reputation. It's not. It's uh, really not. It out to be. It, like, I watched that movie, I think, last year and was sort of bracing for it to be, like, a so-bad-it's-good type of a movie. But it is actually, like, legitimately... Interesting, and I actually do kind of like that movie.
2: I, Tilda Swinton makes that movie for me, obviously. (laughs) I mean, as she usually does, but still,
4: yeah. Okay, so now for this week, uh, we are moving over to a filmmaker that I am not particularly a big fan of. I don't know what others think of him here on the next best picture podcast or what the MVP film community thinks of him, but we have asked a question, it has been put out there which is your favorite Guy Ritchie film? Choices are Aladdin, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, The Man from Uncle, Revolver, Rock and Rolla, Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, Snatch, and Swept Away.
2: I do not like nearly any, I do not like any of those films nearly as much as I remember liking them, actually. Like, I always think of Guy Ritchie and think like, oh yeah, he's he's a decent filmmaker. And then I look at the list of what he's done. And I'm like, Oh, maybe not.
4: Yeah. I used to think that I was a guy, Ritchie fan back in the uh, snatch lock stock. Yeah. two smoke and barrel rock and roll days. And then I don't know what it, it's like. Sherlock Holmes kind of just opened up uh this Avenue for him to do big budget filmmaking with his style. And I don't think still to this day with that, King offer. And from what I can tell, because I haven't seen it, I know some people have, but I haven't seen it. Aladdin. I don't think it works. I think his style works better in that indie crime film subgenre.
2: I, you know, um, what was it? Um uh, Ben Wheatley, I think, did Free Fire. Yes. Um, I always thought that movie would have been so much better if it had been Guy Ritchie.
4: I actually, ooh, I think that's a, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I, I think like there's certain is. material that lines up to his sensibilities. The yeah. closest one in recent years has been The Man from U.N.C.L.E.
2: Yeah, Which, and t- The Man from U.N.C.L.E. was a lot of
1: fun. And I would actually say you that thought that so. probably I thought it was a is a my
2: favorite. I thought the costumes were
5: great. I thought Alicia Vikander looked, she was stunning. Uh, she, she was really great. But the movie itself, I just kept waiting for it to take off.
1: I don't know. Hmm. I I liked the like more playful energy of that movie. Yeah, uh, that too. it was working with. I to me that is the movie that actually blends his like stylistic sensibilities with a bigger budget, bigger scope to it. And of course, it's the one that it also failed. But uh, in terms of box office, but I actually really do like The Man from Uncle. It kind of reminded me of what you would do if you took like the the James Bond from the sixties but tried to modernize it in a certain way and i thought that movie's a lot of fun. Yeah, i fully
2: agree Josh. Casey?
0: Um yeah, i'd probably say that one that's I feel like is more my style. Those none of the other stuff really does anything for me <laughs> personally. But
4: did anyone like Sherlock Holmes? I did. I like I aspects Sherlock. of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. yeah.
3: I'm going to say it's my favorite by default, but i will say i haven't seen Man from Uncle and i feel like that would easily replace it.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah oh, Nicole, yeah. that's your kind of movie, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
3: well,
5: the, well, the big surprise of the weekend is that first reactions are were dropping for Aladdin, and they're actually pretty positive.
4: I can't believe that. Uh, like I, I, I i'm not I'm not saying anyone's paid off by Disney. I'm not saying that I'm just still in shock. is I all
3: think everyone went in with such low expectations. yep, <laughs> that might that's, be. No it. one's it saying surprising. it's perfect. No one's
5: saying it's the next like Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast, But people are, you know, they're they said it's pretty good and that Naomi Scott is really great as Jasmine. The songs are fun. and uh, Even Will Smith is getting praise. People said it's the best thing he's done in a number of years.
3: I feel like everyone's what like, oh, it wow,
5: done. it
1: doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, I think expectation has played a hand in this.
4: Maybe it'll play a hand in tonight's Game of Thrones finale. Fingers <laughs> crossed.
5: Probably going to end up fresh on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is not what a lot of people were expecting, but maybe like the sixty. Oh, 60 so right. like Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, exactly, and that's a fine place to be.
4: Like, just barely? Oh, d- please
5: oh it wasn't don't. just barely, it was like 75.
4: <laughs> no, it wasn't, Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
5: terrible, terrible movie. There.
4: We still, I I love that you have this revisionist history about Beauty and the Beast when it's yeah, like... I'm going to look
5: it up right now. <laughs> okay, you bottom. do that. <laughs> 71% Matt,
4: 71%. Which is still arguably not barely amazing, but... Not. <laughs> Anyway, uh Snatch is my favorite uh, once again, kind of by default because I do think that that was Guy Ritchie at his most innovative, playful. The script is really funny. It's definitely an entertaining film that doesn't um, I would say it's not the kind of film that like rewards you with like repeat viewings, but the performances are a lot of fun. I mean, I, I that's like one of Brad Pitt's best performances, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is so much fun in that movie. it's it's unbelievable. Hey, you don't like dogs what <laughs> Dogs? you don't like dogs Oh dogs yes <laughs> just it still cracks me up to this day and there's like certain lines in the screenplay that I think are like just really really funny where like when one guy's like uh, uh, what does he say he says um, oh yeah in the words of the Virgin Mary come again <laughs> <laughs> There's just some really good zingers in that one. I, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, but let's hear from all of you. Let's hear what you guys think is your uh, is the best or your favorite Guy Ritchie film. There's no right or wrong answer. Head on over to the polls page at nextbestpicture.com. Let us all know. Uh, before we get over to our fan questions for this week, there's a couple of other tidbits of news that I do just want to round up really quickly uh, and just pay some mention to. John Wick Chapter 3, uh, dethroning... Avengers Endgame at the box office this weekend from what I can tell. And I think we can officially say that Avengers Endgame is not going to catch up to The Force Awakens to claim the all-time domestic record. However, it definitely looks like it is going to pass Avatar worldwide.
5: I don't know. It's still, I think Avatar is still going to end up holding it at the, at, the, at the end of the day. I hope so. Yeah, I
4: do too.
1: But it we'll, we'll see. It, it definitely has the ability to but we're now getting into the summer weeks where there is going to be a lot more competition
4: mm-hmm. okay uh so john s baird who uh recently did the film stan and ollie uh is going don't to say be it, don't say. here it comes here it comes uh is going to be working with shia labeouf and mel gibson in a film called uh what's it called uh Rothschild? i think it's like the tentative it's title about the Rothschild. i don't know what the movie is actually called Oof.
5: but yes you have Mel Gibson playing one of the Roth styles which is just it's time to go to bed just everyone shut it down
0: I
4: actually thought it was a joke I had to check and see if it was an Onion article at first <laughs> yeah but it's uh, it, no that's real and uh, the less said about it the better I literally just brought it up just to get a reaction from you guys on the show just now and <laughs> Doesn't even sound like you guys want to talk about it. So there you go. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> Meyer
5: Rothschilds deserve better. He deserves better. Uh, mm-hmm. Another controversial
4: uh figure this week announced a uh, new uh project as well. Nick Valalonga. You all might remember him as the Oscar winner for Green Book. Uh Nicolas Cage is set to star in a Sicario-style cr- cop thriller oh, okay. from Nick Valalonga And I, I have to say, you know, it's like this is like the kind of thing from like a headline standpoint where you say to yourself, what is like the worst possible thing other than that's a more that Nick Vallelonca mm-hmm. can do next. And oh, it's I like wait for that
2: some more a genre event. film starring <laughs> yeah.
4: Nicholas Cage. It's like, what? Pretty much it. Why don't you just combine that with the Mel Gibson news? And then it's like, just, I don't know. And then well, like, like what are we doing here?
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's an action cop thriller that he's doing here.
4: Uh, yeah, basically.
5: What's he be called? Like, bada bing, bada boom?
4: <laughs> that was good. I mean, why not?
1: Honestly, would not shock me.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean, unless if you're doing bad lieutenant again, I-, I really have no interest in this.
5: Yes, that's what we need. Nick Valalonga's bad lieutenant. <laughs> oh, oh, God.
0: Also called bada bing. <laughs>
4: Battle Lieutenant, (laughs) bada-boom. Has anyone here seen Mandy? Uh, Yes. No, but I heard it was good. I I didn't like Mandy, but even I have to admit that when movies lean into Nicolas Cage's craziness, I really think that that's where he should be heading more so than... uh, the films that try to take Nicolas Cage seriously, if that makes sense.
5: I'm trying to think of the last mm. Nicolas Cage movie I saw because he just does all these like, oh, Spider-Man. Okay, into the Spider Verse. That's a voice performance. But like, when was the last time he gave a real, you know, live action Mandy. performance? That wasn't like one of these.
4: On, on, honestly, his performance in Mandy is quite good. It really is, actually. like yeah, it's an Oscar because it here. plays to it plays to his strengths.
5: He was good in Joe back in 2014, the David Gordon Green film.
4: I agree. I like him in that, too.
5: You go back and it's like, where's the guy from Moonstruck? Or <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas? Or Adaptation? Where's that guy?
4: Mm.
1: That guy's paying off his IRS bills. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true. Uh, okay. Have you all heard that Disney has taken full operational control over Hulu? Does
1: yes. that mean
5: Alfred is going yeah. to princess
4: now? Oof. <laughs> God, why do you make me think of these things, Michael?
5: <laughs> Maybe Aunt Lydia is a Disney villain.
4: Jesus Christ! Oh God. my God! <laughs>
5: He's gonna get a song in the new season. Of, who knows? Alan Menken, here's your calling.
4: I feel <laughs> like you say things for jokes, and it just depresses me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> these are real possibilities. They're all under the same tent now. Oh God, I I don't know how this is allowed. The, this Disney takeover of everything, I mean, like, we're approaching Monopoly territory if we're not there already.
1: Yeah, I think we're it's... already sort of into it.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: to quote Avita, and the money kept rolling in. <laughs> they
2: don't ask how.
4: <laughs> I don't know. I'm. This is actually freaking me out a little bit because with events that I've seen in the news over the last week and seeing this. I do feel like we are kind of heading towards a totalitarian kind of society where if the wrong person think about it this way if Disney owns the entire media entertainment world and then if the wrong person in power actually didn't got some sort of control over that media conglomerate Am I am I am I am I, re- am I, am yeah, I reaching but, here
2: No I I hear what you're saying I hear what you're saying. It's a distinct possibility. It's it's genuinely frightening.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean,
1: honestly, even if you didn't want to take it that far, just the fact that one company has so much control over the media being produced just means that there are limits out there for what we can see and limits on the types of stuff that we can see. You know, Disney is a company that has made it very clear that If you're not coming to the table with some kind of existing IP, they're really not interested in it. And that, to me, is very disheartening for storytelling out there. And the more of the pie they got, the less we can see more interesting movies.
4: Agreed. And then all it takes, like I said, is somebody to figure out, oh, I can program the American people what stuff I want them to see.
1: Yeah, it is a possibility.
4: It's something that I don't like to think about, and I'm trying hard not to think about it. So I'm going to move over to our fan questions, (laughs) and I'm going to try and think about the things that they are asking us instead. Okay, uh, first question here. This question comes from at Lynn underscore Cooper. This one uh, is pertained to the uh, Batman casting for Robert Pattinson. Who do you want to see cast as Catwoman and the Penguin, who have also been announced as the villains for the upcoming Batman movie? And don't you dare say Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Sendaya. That's interesting. Ooh.
0: I saw somebody I saw somebody say Rebecca Ferguson for Catwoman
4: on Twitter. I don't know where I saw this. I know it was on Twitter. I don't know who said it. I only remember the image. And ever since I saw the image, I can't get it out of my mind. They said Jesse Plemons and Elizabeth Debicki. Oh.
2: Elizabeth Debicki is.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. My initial thought was Natalie Dormer as Catwoman.
4: That's um, awesome. oh, I like that too. Cuz I'm
3: I'm ready to see her take on like a proper villain.
4: And you know she would love it too.
3: Oh god, she'd be mm-hmm. so good. Oh, I saw she... her in the play Venus and Fur last year and like in like leather corset wear and like she'd be so good in that suit. Like <laughs>
5: <laughs> Yeah. So, hear me out on this. Does the penguin have to be male? Is it written anywhere that it has to be that?
2: Yeah, but we're revising and revamping and rebooting every character, so nothing matters anymore.
5: (laughs) Okay, let's say they decide to go in a totally different direction and we get a female penguin in this Batman movie. Just, you know, say they're trying something new. If that were to happen, hear me out here, what if they got Olivia Coleman?
2: No. No.
5: You don't think that would be fascinating? Sort of like doing a Queen Anne style? No. Be interesting all, with all the <laughs> shouting. It, I'm like looking up like Oscar winners who would. I was looking up recent Oscar winners who could like play in that part, and her name just popped up. And I was like, oh, well, that could be something. I didn't even type in like best actress, I was just looking at former Oscar winners.
2: I'd if we're doing like that sort of like British Dany sort of thing, I'd rather have Miriam Margolize.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love
2: her. <laughs> <laughs> now she is someone who deserves a role in a franchise film.
1: Oh, yeah. She she can be so, like, so fun and entertaining to mm-hmm.
5: watch. <laughs> like an out-of-the-box choice, not just like the first, you know, corporate decision that they make here.
4: I know that this uh, is impossible now, but I am still a little upset that we will forever never get a chance to see Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Penguin.
3: Oh,
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I remember during the the Nolan era when everybody was speculating if the penguin would show up, he was always in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Hey, what about (laughs) Nick (laughs) Vellalonga?
0: That
1: would actually be hysterical and I would love it.
4: Anyone else uh, for Catwoman?
1: What do we think? Maybe like uh, Elle Fanning, we were just talking about her.
4: Oh my God, I would be so overjoyed.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'd rather it be Dakota
2: if we're going with a Fanning. Yeah. <laughs> she might be having a comeback, by the way. She's in the new
4: Tarantino. Mm-hmm. You know what? They don't have to be blonde.
3: Tessa Thompson.
1: Boom.
4: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, like,
1: I, you know, I, that that is true. That was actually a name I was thinking about, but I was trying to remember who it was. Yeah, Tessa Thompson was the
4: name. I well, let me ask you this question. Anything. Would they do, would they Would they really go out, out of their way to cast somebody from the Marvel MCU?
3: I think Tessa <laughs> is far enough removed from the Marvel MCU, if that makes sense. Like,
4: she should, still might
2: have it in her contract that she can't. Mm, like, yeah. I already have James Gunn doing both.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, you know what? Let, let's just eh, you know what? Let's just say fuck it. All right, Tessa Thompson as Catwoman, Chris Hemsworth as the Penguin, and just let those two just work together forever.
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like to be like the next Katherine Hepburn Spencer Tracy pair, who just like <laughs> movies together like forever. Yeah, That's what it. I
5: want. <laughs> you know, once Disney buys Warner Brothers, this won't be a problem anymore.
4: I was gonna say I also felt like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone were uh, already considered that uh, in this day and age, but
2: they, they are have- though.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah all right uh what else do we got here from the fans david mitchell baker asks out of curiosity who are your personal winners in each of the acting categories so far this year
1: hmm.
2: the only hmm. one i'm absolutely positively sure of is uh lupita Nyong'o, best actress for us
4: yep. that's actually really I good
2: my list of what i've seen
0: yeah i'm um- to get to Letterbox.
4: I'm not going to reference uh, films that have not come out yet.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say some about Loose, but yeah, I'll we'll refrain.
2: I'll say um, best supporting actor John Turturro and
1: Gloria Bell. Yeah, my supporting actor winner right now. I probably have to update this, but I'm not sure. I have Jack Loden for fighting with my family.
4: <laughs> nice.
3: I love that man.
4: Okay, so for supporting <laughs> actor. Supporting actor, Uh, man, this is, I I gotta say, I'm not really uh, too thrilled with the films that we've gotten so far this year, I have to say. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really that impressed by a lot. I got nothing.
2: John Turturro for Gloria Bell.
4: Could I make an argument for Robert Downey Jr. in supporting, or is it like officially he's lead? I mean, it's an ensemble,
2: they're all supporting, that's fine. I mean, and it's your, you know, it's your ballot. You can make whatever decision you want. I
4: don't know. I got in trouble for this last year. (laughs) Well, speaking of getting
2: in trouble, Matt's about
5: to jump through my computer screen for my pick. And that is uh, Michael Keaton and Dumbo.
3: You're kidding
0: me. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. (laughs)
4: I'm I'm all about respecting others' opinions, so I'll just leave it at that. Oh, I know who I know who. This is actually an easy call for me now that I just remembered it. Um, I am going to go with Jonathan Price for the man who killed Don Quixote. Mm.
1: Oh,
2: I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's a good one.
4: Supporting actress.
3: Mine would actually, as of right now, go to Judy Dench in All Is True.
2: I am pulling for Lorraine Toussaint in Fast Color. I am too.
4: That's actually a really good choice as well. I liked Fast Color a lot. Damn it, the ladies in Booksmart are co-leads. Are co- um, Hasn't come out yet. Oh, so I can't say Billy Not Lord? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Damn. Damn. Well, I was going to say someone else from that movie, but oh, forget forgot. Oh, I meant. was
4: talking to Michael about this offline, and I I was I love Billy Lord in that supporting role so much. Okay. Things that have already opened. Supporting actress.
2: It, it's slim Pickens around here. June, Diane, Raphael, and Longshot, anybody?
4: You know what? That's a good choice. I thought she was really great in that. What about, has anyone here seen Little Woods?
3: I was going to say, do we rule Lily James as supporting in Little Woods? I do. Because then I would give it to her.
4: I think Tessa Thompson is the lead in that for sure.
3: Yeah, then, yeah.
4: Yeah, I I would go with Lily James right now.
3: She's fantastic in it.
4: Okay, so then uh, let's head on over to lead actor. Well, I guess because it hasn't come out yet, I can't say Taron Egerton. So I will go with Mads Mikkelsen in Arctic.
1: That's what I'm going with, too, right now. Oh, this is... Oh, to go. I...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm going to say this, and y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but work with me here. Uh, Matthew McConaughey in Serenity.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <Is
2: that okay? laughs> oh, my God. I have
5: seen enough to you an informed dancer here, Dan? So I- uh-huh. Can I,
2: can, Dan? Can I just put Thanks. out Thanks like the performance of such camp mastery? But is it though? But is that intentional? Candle? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, that's why it's so brilliant.
3: Okay. After after Dan says that, I feel a little bit safer saying that. Honestly, God, out of what I've seen, my favorite lead male performance is Robert Downey Jr.
4: You know, I, I can't argue against that. Actually, I think he gives the best performance he's ever done in the MCU in that film. Yeah.
3: He's yeah. so good in it.
4: I can't. I can't. I can't argue but I'd with that.
2: Actually, choose is uh, Felix Marito in Sauvage. And you
4: know what? too i think we were all in agreement on this for the most part i wouldn't say that he's the best but i i do got to give a little bit of credit towards uh andrew garfield in under the silver lake mm, i haven't seen it yet zach efron in extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile um as another one where it's like divisive film but no one can argue that it's his best performance he's ever given hmm
1: I think I, default, I think
4: the high school musical have... fans will come out. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure they listen to our show.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think I have to go with Samuel L. Jackson from Glass just by default. Ugh. I would choose Zachary Levi and Shazam over that.
4: Has anyone here seen Matthias Schoenhart's in the Mustang?
1: I
2: have.
4: Oh no, I didn't see the Mustang.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's good in the movie, but I don't know. I left that movie not being as impressed with it as a lot of other people were.
4: Uh, What about my Jake Gyllenhaal fans out there for Velvet Buzzsaw?
1: (laughs) Look, I I am a Jake Gyllenhaal devotee, but there are... Times when I'm really into what he's doing and other times where I am just sort of scratching my head. And this was a scratching my head uh, time for him. Uh, you know,
5: let's make this really easy. We'll say Sam Rockwell for Bob Fosse and Michelle Williams for Gwen Verdon.
1: But done. that's a television yeah, that works, show, not yeah. a movie. <laughs> You're better than anything
4: in the theaters this year. Not true. I, the
3: only thing I have solidly is a best actress choice. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah. Uh, so then, best actress. Then, I mean, definitely. There's been a lot of really good stuff here from Julianne Moore in uh, Gloria Bell, to as we said before, Lupita Nyong'o in Us. Nicole, uh, what is your pick here?
3: Minus Tessa Thompson in Little Woods. I think she's fantastic, and it's. I also love that performance because it is probably the least glamorous performance I have seen by a beautiful young woman of that age in a while. That's not in like an action movie. And I think that is part of the beauty of it. If that makes sense. Like she's so good in it, but also like it's so clearly a movie about a woman directed by a woman, um, that I think it even helps her performance be better.
2: Dan. Uh, like Lupita Nyong'o in us. Josh.
1: Uh, I
4: have Elle Fanning for teen spirit. Ooh. Good choice. So-so movie, but she... Uh, you know what? The only thing that, that's a little bit of a hold-up for me, though, with that is I, her accent kind of wavers for me throughout the film.
0: Yeah,
4: That's the only thing that, like, threw me off. Uh, it Like, it took me out of the movie a couple of times.
1: I uh, Yeah, I guess.
4: Michael?
5: Yeah, I, I just have to go with Lupita based on what I've seen.
4: Alrighty. And Casey?
0: Um. Yeah, I also say Lupita, but... <clears throat> I would at least give a shout out. While I don't love this film and I think it's flawed, I think that Elizabeth Moss is great in her smell.
4: She is, yeah. Especially mm. in what's
0: that fourth segment when it's in her home, I think is the best part of that movie. So
4: I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because I had honestly forgotten about that, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad that somebody just mentioned it. So uh, I'm going to throw one out there that I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but Mary Kay Place and Diane is quite extraordinary. I
1: haven't seen it yet.
4: Yeah, um, I heard that. That's a very, very, very tiny film that if you do have a chance, um, I recommend you check it out. She's quite good in it. And, you know, that's the type of performance that not many people will go to bat for, so I'm happy to do so all right uh that'll pretty much do it here for this week's show here on the next best picture podcast episode 143 michael before we go do you have anything you want to say
5: no i mean for those of you watching game of thrones enjoy i know many of you have waited for this finale so enjoy that tonight and i guess we'll
1: have some more canon news by the next time we
4: speak josh barm
1: uh i actually just have one more question for you matt that i meant to ask you earlier and oh yeah is, sure it is in regards to rocket man oh okay um How's my boy Richard Madden?
4: <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going to give you a very specific answer, Josh. <laughs> Just for you.
1: Oh, okay. You ready? All right, I'm ready.
4: <laughs> you won't be disappointed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very very yeah. much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Nicole.
3: Um suddenly I'm I'm like Hmm, I understand some of Josh's ranking of Disney live-action films now. <laughs> um, and same. Um, yeah, I just feel like everyone will appreciate that I just got a text from my mother that my family is going to see Endgame again. Um, that, that's all I've got for this week.
2: Dan? Um, I am like really upset that we've had a week and a half, two weeks where not much interesting has come out and now... Like a lot is coming out in the next couple weeks when, of course, I'm going to be away all
4: weekend. So, like, boo. You know what you could do while you're away? You could watch John Wick one and two, and you'll realize that John Wick three was worth your time.
2: I, you know, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Honestly, no, I've heard amazing things about John Wick and John Wick two. So.
4: There's something about, like, actors, like, when they get into their 50s and they just have this, like, career renaissance through some sort of action series. We've seen it with Liam Neeson. It's been happening with Tom Cruise, although you could argue Tom Cruise has always had this. Uh, But it's, it's just pretty crazy. I wonder who the next one is going to be. All right. And I'm forgetting someone.
0: I didn't
3: have anything to say, so
4: it's
3: oh. fine. <laughs> oh my god! Another friend just texted me that they're going to see Endgame. Okay,
4: why? Like Nicole, you're down. doing the Lord's work. Look I at you.
3: Truly am with all the. I'm just keep sending people Avengers <laughs> memes until they go.
4: Shaking
3: <laughs> <Avatar laughs> in his boots. <laughs> I uh, personally taking down Avatar.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to just make a plea out there to uh, anyone that is listening, uh, that is debating on what to see. Uh, Booksmart is opening up uh, wide next week, and I just highly, highly urge everyone to see that movie. That is all. It was, for me, it was everything. It was everything I wanted, and I I did not leave disappointed. I was so happy.
0: Can't
4: wait. Okay. One more thing. (laughs) I promise I'm not going to get emotional. (laughs) I know.
2: (sighs) I know. Did y'all see the... um, the the rap video about Game of Thrones and <laughs> SNL last night. Yeah, I did. It was so <laughs> this cool. is so fucking funny.
0: <laughs> oh, man. it's you know, The it Mad just... Men finale. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'm
4: going to go. Um, <laughs> you've been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. (laughs) Just snapping out of my crying there for a second. Michael, where can he find you on the internet? On Twitter at mschwartz95. Josh Parham.
1: Find me on Twitter at jrparham. Dan Bayer. Find me on Twitter
4: at dancingdanonfilm. And And the two amazing ladies here Nicole Ackman.
3: I am at NicoleAckman16.
4: Casey Lee Clark
3: you can find me
0: on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark
4: and you can find me at Next Best Picture thank you so much everyone once again for listening to episode 143 of the Next Best Picture podcast you can subscribe to us on iTunes SoundCloud Google Play Stitcher Player FM ACAST CastBox and on Spotify be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts let us know what you think of the show leave us a comment rate us 5 stars say Matt Negley is awesome I don't know do something anything it helps people to discover us and then head on over to our Patreon page for $1 minimum a month you can get some exclusive Exclusive podcast content from us, including information and reviews and more on Game of Thrones, the series finale, next best theater, podcast reviews going back to 2015 for our retrospective. Head on over to Patreon, $1 minimum, you get all of that and more. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.